This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for November 19th, 2020. Big Sur Mania. How long should you wait before upgrading? Why did some report problems with launching apps in Apple's latest Mac OS? Plus, preparing your Mac to upgrade. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm good. Are you all updated to macOS Big Sur? Mm, not quite yet. I did download the installer, but I haven't installed it yet. I, I was kind of waiting a little bit to see if uh, people were having big issues with it. I, I saw there was a lot of discussion about issues that people were having on the day of release. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I've updated both my Macs. One of my Macs has been running the beta since June, so my MacBook Pro. I'm the guy who has to update because I write about all this stuff. By the way, listeners, go to the Intego Mac security blog at blog.intego.com. There's about a dozen updated or new articles about using the Mac and Big Sur and iOS. I've been really busy lately. I've never been really burned by an operating system update. I've never had a computer that was bricked. I've never had real serious problems. I guess I've been lucky. Yeah, you know, this is something that I think every time there's a new major operating system release, especially on the Mac, um, there's a lot of things that can potentially go wrong. One of the things that, that happened for some people this time is that if you happen to have certain models of MacBook Pro, the earliest models that uh, are supported by Big Sur, some people were having the issue where after they installed the update and the machine rebooted, uh, it just stayed on a black screen and they weren't able to get into their Macs anymore. This was um, the MacBook Pro, I think, 2013 and 2014 models. Yes, the technical term for that is bricked, that yeah. your device is worth no more than a brick because you can't do anything with it. Uh, that's that's an extreme problem. It's true that there can be other issues going forward, maybe software that's incompatible, et cetera. We're going to talk in the second part of the show about how to prepare your Mac for macOS Big Sur. So we'll warn you, if you haven't updated yet, we'll warn you about some of the things you might want to do in advance. Thursday, last Thursday, it's when we released the last episode of the podcast, macOS Big Sur was released, and Apple was just, there was this mess. You couldn't download it. You couldn't open apps on your Mac, and something really bad happened. This is the first time this has ever happened. Uh, this is some Apple verification when you launch apps using Gatekeeper, and the server went down or not entirely. T tell me what was really going on here. So apparently what was what was happening is that there's an Apple server, uh, ocsp.apple.com. OCSP stands for Online Certificate Status Protocol. Um, and basically the, the idea here is being able to check whether a certificate has been revoked. Um, now, this there's some interesting sort of problems related to uh, to this protocol. But first, let's talk about what this problem was that people were having. Essentially, this Apple server was sort of overloaded because all of these people were uh, 
installing Big Sur at the same time. And um, apparently the server just couldn't handle all the traffic, um, which is funny because this is very rare that something like this will happen. Apple has massive infrastructure. I'm not sure that the server was overloaded because of Big Sur. It did start happening around the time that Big Sur was launched. I think there was some other problem going on because, as you say, Apple has such a massive infrastructure. I can't imagine that every every app, every Mac checking this server once because that's all they would need to do to to get Big Sur. I can't imagine this would cause the problem. I think there was something deeper in the infrastructure because – I was unable to download Big Sur. Most people were unable to download at more than a few kilobytes per second. On Thursday night, I left my MacBook Pro on, and it was finally downloaded by Friday morning. Then when I went to download on my iMac, it came at you know full speed, 500, 600 megabits per second. So I don't think it was specific to Big Sur. It just happened at the same time. Yeah, that, that could be. In any case, a lot of people sort of associated this with Big Sur because of the of the coincidental timing of uh, the server outage and, uh, and the operating system being released. Um, so in any case, yeah, um, th- this sort of like led to, to people going, well, wait a minute, are there some potential privacy concerns here? Because whenever you would launch an app, um, it was using an Apple process called TrustD, and it would try to connect to this Apple server, which, by the way, was happening over a non-secured connection uh, on port 80, HTTP, not HTTPS. Um, because so not encrypted. Yeah, not encrypted. And so a lot of people were kind of like, okay, well, wait a minute. So does that mean that potentially anybody in between me and the Apple server can see that I'm trying to launch uh, a particular app? Is, is, that, is it possible to actually discern that? It's not necessarily so much that someone would be able to tell that you're launching a particular app, but uh, you could theoretically be able to tell that somebody was trying to launch an app from a particular developer. A lot of developers only have one or two apps that they make. And so you could argue that um, someone in a, a privileged network position could be able to tell what apps you are using. And it's so that, and they could use that information against you if they wanted to target you in an attack, for example. It's worth noting that this didn't affect Apple apps because I would assume that that check is done on launch or maybe on login as well. I didn't notice any problems on my iPhone or iPad when this was going on. So presumably the system on iOS and iPadOS must be different. Right, right. Yeah, th- this is specifically a, a Mac issue, it's my understanding, to check the rev- revocation status of developer certificates on the Mac. Right, because on the Mac, you can install software without going through the App Store. So you have more options um, and you need to check the software more carefully, in particular to check for malware. If this slowed everything down, um, no one's ever seen this. Now, I mentioned before the show that a couple of times in the past months, I've had days when I would go to open an app and it would bounce a dozen times in the dock. And so this is what was happening last Thursday, that it's waiting for this approval before before launching. And I'd restart my Mac and maybe it would resolve and maybe it wouldn't. But now I realize it must have been the same thing. This can't be the first time this happened. Yeah, I, I, actually, I, I don't know. I mean, I hadn't particularly heard about this issue coming up before, but it's it's sort of shined a, a spotlight on uh, the, the potential privacy issues because once people start investigating, okay, well, what's happening here? Why can't we launch apps? 
or non-Apple apps anyway. And uh, there were actually some developers who were trying to figure this out and were contacting people on Twitter and saying, uh, oh, hey, have, are, are you having trouble with, with our apps? Um, at first, some developers thought maybe this is a problem with my software. And until, you know, more people start talking about this and people realized, oh, wow, it's like all third party apps that are having this problem right now. So Apple has a, a support document called Safely Open Apps on Your Mac, and they've updated this document. They've added some paragraphs at the end um, talking about privacy protections because you're saying earlier this could be a privacy issue. Right. Yeah, they, they say that, um, among other things, they say uh, Gatekeeper performs online checks to verify if an app contains known malware and whether the developer's signing certificate is revoked. So that's that's the intent of this whole thing. And uh, Apple says, as far as they're concerned, like, we're not using this to spy on you and see what apps you're using because we don't combine data from these checks with information that we have about you or your devices. So they're, they're saying it's not a privacy issue from, from our particular perspective because we're not using that as, as some sort of way to track you or see what apps you in particular are using. But they say that um, those security checks also, you know, they don't include your app, your Apple ID. Um, it, it doesn't give anything that's specifically tied to you. And they say um, to further protect privacy, we have stopped logging IP addresses associated with developer ID certificate checks, which kind of makes it sound like they probably were logging IPs in relation to that until just now. And then they were like, oh, shoot, people are seeing this as a privacy issue. I guess maybe we shouldn't be doing that anymore. So over the next year, they're going to introduce several changes to their security checks. The first is a new encrypted protocol for developer ID certificate revocation checks. So basically, instead of HTTP, it's going to be HTTPS, which makes you think, why wasn't it HTTPS? It's not like it costs more, right? Yeah, and my only thought is, um, and again, I'm not a super expert when it comes to uh, OCSP in particular, but... Uh, I I suspect that it was more just sort of the default that, that that's typically what people use for OCSP um, just for historical reasons and so Apple is actually saying we're going to start using a new encrypted protocol so that it's almost sort of implies that they're going to be using something different perhaps even than than an HTTPS version of OCSP so we'll see what exactly that means sometime within the next year. So one of the other changes is strong protections against server failure. So in this case, the server didn't die, in which case um, there would be no response. It was just very slow. And what people were finding is if you blocked the specific domain, ocsp.apple.com, you could launch your apps. Or if you turned off Wi-Fi or unplugged your Ethernet cable, you were able to launch your apps. Some people were recommending you block it in a firewall, but this, of course, leads to other problems. So they're basically introducing a system where if the server doesn't reply quickly enough, it'll time out so you can still launch the apps, I guess. It sounds like something like that. Yeah. Strong protections against server failure is a little bit vague, but at the very least, um, Apple doesn't want this sort of thing to happen again. And and then they mention one other thing that they're going to be introducing sometime over the next year. They say there will be a new preference for users to opt out of these security protections. Now, that's pretty interesting um, because, uh, you know, Apple typically doesn't really give a lot of control over fe- some 
particular features like this on that granular level. So it's really interesting to see that Apple's doing that. And and again, I think that this is sort of because Apple kind of got called out about this potentially being a privacy issue. Um, so I guess for that reason, probably Apple is saying, okay, fine. Well, if you still think that even after we add encryption and uh, protection against server failure, if you still think that there's a problem here, we'll let you turn that off. We don't recommend it. You're not. It's not going to be able to check whether those app, app certificates have been revoked. And so if you do have some software that's compromised or from a malicious developer, we're not going to be able to block it anymore, but we'll let you do that if you really think that you should do that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there were some people in Cupertino who were probably ready to celebrate the release of macOS Big Sur last Thursday and probably didn't celebrate very much that day. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for them because this is not the time. This is like you're opening your Broadway show and, you know, it gets, the theater gets flooded or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, just before the break, a brief thing that I spotted on Twitter today. Um, someone named Dan Rubin, uh, pointed out that his iPad Pro broke back in April, was just replaced today, and he can't restore it from a backup because Apple only keeps backups of iOS devices for 180 days. Now, there's a lot going on here. Why did he have an iPad Pro that he wasn't using for six months? Why wasn't it fixed sooner? Whatever, I don't know. I think what it points out is maybe you've got an old iPhone or an iPod or an iPad someplace in a drawer and you haven't taken all the photos off it. You should really think about doing that because uh, this 180-day limit is actually not new. I was in some Twitter conversations this morning and one fellow tech writer said to me that he contacted Apple for some information and Apple pointed him to an article that I wrote on Macworld in 2013 where I mentioned this. I didn't remember that it was 180 days, but this has been around for a long time. So it's just, as always, backup regularly. And uh, to be clear, this is specifically with iCloud backups for your iPhone or iPad. Um, so if you are backing this up to your Mac, there's there's not that 180-day limitation. Um, also, as we've mentioned before, there are some additional things that do get backed up when you sync synchronize your iPhone or iPad with your Mac. So um, I always recommend, especially if you're going to be doing a major operating system update or something, it's a good idea to synchronize it with your Mac first. Don't. I, my recommendation is don't entirely rely on iCloud backups, uh, especially right before a major update. My strategy is I back up roughly once a month to my Mac, and then I turn on iCloud backup and let it back up regularly. So think about backing up your iOS devices. After the break, we're going to talk to you about preparing your Mac for macOS Big Sur. If you're like Josh and you haven't updated yet, there are a bunch of steps that you can do to make sure that everything goes smoothly. You already know that Intego loves Macs. After all, Intego has been making world-class Mac security software since 1997. But did you know that Intego Antivirus is also available for Microsoft Windows? If you've got Windows running on your Mac, either in Boot Camp or in a virtual machine like Parallels, VMware, or VirtualBox, make sure to protect it from malware just like you protect macOS with Intego Security Software. Intego Antivirus for Windows is also a great solution for your friends and family members with Windows PCs. Download a free trial of Intego Antivirus for Windows today, and when you're ready to buy, use the link in the show notes for a special discount don't use Windows? Don't worry. We've still got a great deal for you. First-time buyers of Mac Premium Bundle X9 can get Intego's powerful Mac security and utility suite 
at an incredible 40% savings by using coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout. Intego, makers of the best protection software for Mac and now for Windows, too. Okay, Josh mentioned in the first part that MacBook Pros from 2013 and 2014 may get bricked by the Big Sur updater. And you kind of need to plan when you're updating to a new operating system. Um, We'll link to an article on the Intego Mac Security blog called How to Prepare Your Mac to Upgrade to Mac OS Big Sur, The Ultimate Guide. We run through all of the questions around upgrading. So the first one is upgrade now or upgrade later. And we've already talked earlier that I'm the upgrade now guy and Josh is the upgrade later guy. Yeah, and, and I do recommend not waiting too terribly long. Like, it's not necessarily the best idea to wait, you know, several months or a year or more <laughs> to try to upgrade to uh, the latest version of Mac OS. There are some really important benefits uh, besides just the new features to upgrading to the latest Mac OS. Um, the most important one of those is that... Um, Apple tends to release the most security updates for the current version of macOS. Um, you may notice if you look really closely at the details of uh, security updates that are issued for the latest operating systems, if you look at the two previous versions, often things that are fixed in the latest version don't necessarily get fixed in the old versions. Now, in some cases, that may just be because there's some new feature and maybe this bug only really applies to the current version of macOS. But there have been documented cases where uh, this bug probably does affect, in, uh, in some cases has been confirmed to affect older versions of macOS, but Apple has chosen not to release updates for those older versions for various reasons. So um, if you want to make sure that you're getting the maximum security benefits, not only from new features that relate to security and privacy, but also that you're getting all the latest patches, you should be running the latest version of macOS. So don't wait too long. <laughs> it's it's okay to wait a few weeks or maybe until the point oh point, you know, well, in this case, strangely, Apple sort of released Big Sur with 11.0.1. Uh, so maybe wait until... 11.0.2 or 11.1. Uh, if if you're going to wait, I wouldn't wait much longer than that because they should have a lot of the, the initial bugs figured out by then. Interestingly, this year, uh, Apple released Safari 14 before they released macOS Big Sur. Now, they did this to coincide with the release of iOS, and it has that feature that we've talked about in the past, the privacy report. Um, it blocks trackers more efficiently. So even if you haven't updated to Big Sur and you're on Catalina, update to the new Safari because you will get the advanced privacy features in Safari. But as Josh said, there's so much going on security-wise throughout the operating system. I don't want to say everyone should upgrade, um, and I'm looking at our producer here, Victor, who is not who has just recently upgraded to Catalina and has had nothing but problems on his Mac. <laughs> but I, I think upgrading is a good thing to do because you are you are getting new versions of everything, and and there's fixes, and you know we all know that there's bugs all throughout every operating system. Of course, you're going to get new bugs after you upgrade, so it's not, it's not always a win win. Um, so you need to find out first if your Mac is compatible and Apple's pretty good on this. They go back to around 2013. So if you have a Mac pro, um, from 2013 later, that's the trash can MacBook air MacBook pro from 2013, Mac mini 2014, iMac 2014, 
iMac Pro 2017 and later, because the first one came out in 2017, and the 12-inch MacBook 2015 and later, because the first one came out in 2015. So basically, this goes back six or seven years. If you remember when you last bought your Mac, it's probably compatible with Big Sur. Right. Yeah. And and there are some models that uh, were Catalina compatible that are no longer compatible with Big Sur. This is a pretty typical thing. Usually every either every year or every other year, there are some Mac models that get dropped off of the, the list of compatibility with the latest OS. So just because your Mac can run Catalina uh, does not necessarily mean that it can run Big Sur. So that's worth checking out. Um, generally, I think for Catalina, it was Max made in 2012 or or later. And uh, as mentioned, so, some of the Max uh, from 2013 or 2014 or even 2015 in the case of that MacBook um, or later are the compatible models. Okay, the next thing is before you upgrade, there are a number of things you need to check on your software. The two most important are security software and hardware drivers. So security software, if you're depending on Intego Virus Barrier or other security software, it may not run on the new operating system if the vendor hasn't upgraded it. Now, Intego's X9 apps are all compatible with macOS Big Sur. So what you want to do is before you upgrade to Big Sur, you want to run NetUpdate and get the new versions. Any security software, in fact, with any software, if you can update it before you update the operating system. Now, you can't always because sometimes new versions require the new operating system. But in most cases, they'll go back a couple of uh, versions. Also, you may have hardware devices that need drivers. This could be a scanner, a printer, in particular, a RAID storage device. I have a friend who has one of those big WASI RAID storage devices that's like the size of a, I don't know, uh, a case of wine almost that big. It's got five hard drives and it needs a special driver. So if he were to upgrade to Big Sur, he wouldn't be able to access the files on that device. So you need to check those in advance to make sure that you'll be able to access all the hardware that you use. Right. In, in in the case of hardware, that can be pretty important. Now, for certain things like printers, um, it may not necessarily be a big deal if you can't use uh, the official you know, printer software, because sometimes you can use generic drivers. Definitely scanner is uh, are another thing like that, where Apple has software that you can use that, that Apple actually makes to uh, that you can scan with. So it's not necessarily a big deal. Um, it's still probably a good idea to see if your hardware manufacturer has software in those cases. But yeah, if you've got something that's really critical, like you know that you have an external RAID storage device, that's where you really need to make sure that you've got compatible RAID drivers uh, or you're just not going to be able to access anything on that drive anymore, which is a potentially a really big problem. Okay, so compatibility of Apple and third-party software. Apple's going to update all its apps. It's going to be backwards compatible, forwards compatible, numbers pages, keynote, um, all the apps that come in in the operating system, things like Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro, they're all going to be updated. In fact, I believe Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro both got recent updates. Um, pages, numbers, and keynote got updates to match the, um, the new look of macOS Big Sur. You can update these before you update your operating system. You can update them after. That's less of a big deal. However, if you do depend on certain third-party software, I'm thinking of Adobe Photoshop or Microsoft Office, you need to check that it's available. There were times years ago when Office wasn't always updated right away for the latest Mac operating system. Now it is regularly. Um, Adobe's been very good about that as well. 
I believe Adobe's going to have a version of Photoshop available for the new M1 processor Max in a couple of days. I understand it may not have all the features, but it's going to be, you know, not just compatible through what's called Rosetta, which is the emulation software um, in Mac OS Big Sur, but directly compatible with these new Macs. Right. While we're talking about the new uh, Apple M1, uh, Apple Silicon processors, uh, it's important to note here, too, that mostly what we're discussing here is upgrading an existing Mac. But if you are interested in buying a new Mac that has an M1 processor, um, that could be a little bit different story on some of these things. Um, if Certain apps should run just fine through that Rosetta 2 compatibility layer that Apple has implemented. Essentially, the Rosetta technology allows you to run software designed for Intel Macs on your new Apple Silicon-based Mac. But there are some exceptions. There may be um, bugs with some software. And, and by the way, so Intego is, uh, is currently doing a lot of testing to make sure that everything works with the M1 processor. Um, it's funny because the M1-based Macs just came out this week. Developers actually didn't have access to M1 Macs in advance. Um, developers had access to uh, a Mac with a similar ARM-based architecture, but not the actual M1 processor. And so um, we, we are doing some internal testing just to make sure that we're fully compatible. And we will, will be releasing some software updates soon. Yeah, the developer transition kit is a Mac mini that has an iPad processor in it. While it's going to be the same under the hood, it's very different in terms of speed right now. And it's obvious that some things that may have worked on the developer transition kit might not work or might not be optimized on an M1 Mac. So you need to clean your Mac. And if you have a small SSD on your Mac, solid state storage, um, you may have to make some space. The, the installer for Mac OS Big Sur is more than 12 gigabytes. This is about twice the size of the largest Mac OS installer. Um, when I was downloading it on my iMac, I was watching storage space disappear, you know, the free <laughs> space in the Finder. Um, I believe at one point I had 160 gigabytes left on a 512 SSD, and at one point it went down to 30. Now, a lot goes on when it's downloading this, and, and when the download stopped and restarted, it didn't seem like it recovered the space. Um, at one point, I rebooted to make sure that I had enough space. So if you're tight, if you've got a laptop with like 128 or 256 gigabytes, you may need to delete some files. In our article about preparing for the upgrade, we link to an article about how to use optimized storage to increase disk space. And we also talk about Intego Washing Machine, which can clean out files that you don't need. Um, good idea to get rid of cache files and duplicates and things you don't need to make a lot of space because... Um, this is, you know, the installer has to install and then it's going to be writing files and it's going to be writing more files, but it doesn't delete the files until it's finished. Um, I don't think Apple actually says how much storage you need to run the installer. I haven't heard any stories specifically of people who couldn't install it, but a 12 gigabyte download is quite huge and you need the bandwidth too, don't you? Right. Yeah. It can take a very long time as, as you found out. Um, well, that's because it was slowed down. I've got gigabit um, fiber here. So that's because the, the server was down, but people would slow my, my Victorian internet from a couple of <laughs> years ago, this would have taken a long time. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, even, and of course I don't have anywhere near as fast of an internet connection as you do. Uh, ironically, even though you're out in the country and, and I'm in a city, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it took me a long time too. And I waited a, a while. I didn't start downloading immediately. I kind of wanted to make sure that the servers were able to kind of relax a little bit after the initial rush where everyone was trying to get it like the second it was released. And it still took hours for it to fully download. So, it, it can take some time. Okay. Check your drive. Um, use Apple's disk utility to run first aid on your drive. In the past, you couldn't run first aid on your boot drive. Um, now you can, and it sort of locks the drive for maybe 30 or 60 seconds so it can check things. I don't know about you, but I have not had a disk problem in years since they came out with a file system with journaling. Uh, it's so robust that I've just never had this sort of problem anywhere, but I still check before I do a, an operating system upgrade. Right. Also, APFS um, seems to have fewer problems, uh, in my experience anyway, than HFS Plus did um, with uh, with just various issues with the file system. So um, probably uh, you you probably won't find that there will be any major issues, but it's still a good idea to run uh, a scan just to make sure. It's definitely worth checking your file system just to make sure there are no obvious errors that could easily be fixed. Okay, um, regular listeners know that this one's coming up. You got to back up your Mac before you do this. The best way to do it is to uh, make a clone or a bootable backup because this is a, a an exact copy of everything that's on your Mac. You can always restart from that. This might not be as easy on Big Sur. The way that the data goes on hard drives, I've heard some things that it may take a while for software vendors to update their software. You can also use a time machine backup. Um, and after that, you're you have this big decision. Should you do a migration or a clean installation? We link uh, to an article about this. And migration means that either from uh, a backup, a time machine backup or a clone, you connect that to your drive and the installer will copy the files over from that. So it's going to copy your your user account, your applications, your personal files. Or a clean installation, you install everything's brand new and you manually copy all your files. It's a pretty arduous process to do that, but it's a good way to clean things out. You'll probably have to download a lot of apps if you get them from the Mac App Store. What I've found is that generally they won't work if you copy them from one Mac to another. Um, you try to open them and you'll get a message saying they're damaged. You need to re-download them. This probably has something to do with the certificate. Since it's moved to another computer, it could look like it's a little suspicious, like maybe you copied a, an app that's malicious or something. But doing a clean installation every few years is a good idea. You can save lots of space with cache files and get rid of those unneeded apps that you haven't used in years. Finally, it's time to hit the download button. And as I said, it's like 12 gigabytes. This is a slow process. And the process itself is is long. So it starts and then it goes to a black screen with the Apple logo. And then you get this, this progress bar says 12 minutes remaining, four hours remaining, seven days <laughs> remaining, 30 minutes remaining. And it's really unreliable. And then it reboots a couple of times to black... Don't sit there and watch it. Go watch Netflix or eat dinner or something like that. Yeah, it 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 takes some time and you might get really nervous, especially if you're noticing that that amount of time remaining is shifting around a lot. So it's <laughs> I've done this many times where I've sat there and watched the progress bar and it can be a bit nerve wracking. So it's definitely better to go in another room, just relax, go do something else, take your mind off of it and check back in a little bit later. 
Okay, links in the show notes to this article, which itself links to a whole bunch of other articles that we've um, developed over the years, How to Prepare Your Mac to Upgrade to Mac OS Big Sur, the ultimate guide. Um, next week, we're going to see if Josh has finally upgraded. I bet he hasn't. He's going to wait till the 11.1, right? <laughs> Actually, while well, I was thinking about that, 11.1, maybe that will be the successor to Big Sur. Because, you know, we, for all these years, we had 10 point something, right? So we had 1016 was uh, Mac OS, or sorry, no. That's true. So, 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 yeah, yeah. so we, we had 1015, that was Mac OS Catalina. Uh, and then we thought that Big Sur was going to be 1016, ended up being 11. So maybe 11.1 will be the successor to Big Sur. So maybe I need to wait till 11.0.2. I don't know. Yeah. Well, (laughs) 11.0.2 or three or whatever. I I understand people who wait, you know, for for my work, I need to be more proactive. But anyway, you'll let us know when you upgrade. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast the voice of Mac security with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long to get every weekly episode. Be sure to subscribe in Apple podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.